0: Greetings. Welcome to Simply Christ. Glad you are here. My name is Mark Shepard. want to welcome back our subscribers. If you are not a subscriber, please do so. Also check out our YouTube channel, Simply Christ, as well as our website, simplychrist.org. Make sure you share this with your friends. Uh, we really want to pass along these messages as we bring the spiritual life into the lives of people from around the world. We have a lot of visitors from India, throughout Asia. I notice we also have some people who've come in and from Spain, France, Europe, different places like that. So make sure you do that. Let's get right to the subject. We are going to be talking about discouragement. Raise your hand if you have never been discouraged. Everybody's been discouraged, right? We all face discouragement in some way, shape, or form. This can come from a variety of sources. It could come from the institutions we put our faith in which we should not be putting our faith into institutions, correct? It's only in Christ that we put our faith in. It might come from just a situation that you find yourself in, the loss of a job, maybe the loss of a spouse, a divorce, a separation, the loss of something to you that's causing you a great deal of discouragement, or it could be just the life of the Christian life in itself. It's not easy being a Christian. That's why Jesus says count the costs, because there are going to be many different arrows that come at you through your walk in which you have to address. We have to learn to live with. We have to learn to accept certain things in this walk. And if they don't come up to our expectation, then we become very discouraged. So there's all kinds of different reasons we could be discouraged. The thing we have to watch out for is the idea that we are not allowed to be discouraged or there's something wrong with us if we are discouraged or it's some great sin to have some type of discouragement. It's not that way at all. The Old Testament and even the New Testament is filled with people who were discouraged. Just look at the prophets, look at Elijah, look at Elisha, look at look at David, look at the people who wrote the Psalms. Uh, many of the Psalms were written by those who were discouraged David wrote some of those Psalms, and he was very discouraged in many of the situations he found himself in. So did the Old Testament prophets and even the disciples of Jesus. And even at times, Jesus found himself facing situations that were testing him. And that test can bring some type of discouragement, but knowing who you are as a son or a daughter of Christ— Is going to help all of us in our walk with Jesus and helping us to grow in the spiritual life that we have been called to live. How do we overcome this discouragement? It's easy to throw Bible verses at people. Many times you'll find preachers and pastors say, go read this verse, and it's good. We want to read those verses in Psalms or in the Proverbs or someplace that brings us encouragement. We want to do that. But we also need to realize that simply reading a verse may not solve the issue because there often is something deeper that's underneath that. There is an underlying tone, an underlying thread. There is something that is causing maybe that discouragement that is not correct, perhaps in our thinking. That's why Paul tells us to renew our minds, and that way we will know the will of Christ. And we can become discouraged if our mind is not set correctly. So let's look at some things that we need to do to overcome our discouragement. What can we do to overcome discouragement? Yes, there are things we can do besides just reading Bible verses. The first one is we need to examine ourselves, examine the self. We have to stop and do an honest evaluation of why we are discouraged. Is it envy? And that's a big one. Our discouragement can come from being envious of maybe someone other somebody else's success. Maybe it's a larger or or a more popular ministry. Maybe it's just the success of the world that we're seeing. And we see other people who are, you know, maybe more successful in what they're doing and we start thinking to ourselves, well, God is more with that person than he is with me. So therefore, I must be doing something wrong. That that is not true because what that is, it's a ba- it's based in envy. We're being envious. We're we're coveting something else that God maybe, and I say maybe, is blessing them with because and i know many pastors and many preachers will fall into this into this temptation and they will look at somebody else's ministry and they will say wow that person just grew phenomenal god is with them why because they are popular so there are a lot of false assumptions just because someone is successful in something does not mean that god is with them there could be a lot of reasons why they are successful and God not being with them, even if they are wearing the name of Christ. So don't be discouraged by that. Don't be envious of it. So take an honest evaluation of why you might be discouraged. Another one is to look at the success of the world. We see how people are successful, and we say, well, why is the sinner being successful? The person who hates God, who doesn't want to do anything for God, why are they successful, but I'm not? Maybe I'm doing something wrong. No. Remember." We are expressing ourselves. we are expressing rather God through ourselves. So if we are obedient to what God is calling us to do, let God work it. It's not us that's doing it. It's God working through us. And if we surrender to that idea that God is working through us, then all things are God's and God is using us in the way he wants us to be used because this world this time that we're living in is not the all in all there are greater things in the afterlife and this here is this for the lack of a better term a testing ground a proving ground you know out west during well even today you can go out west and they'll find these you know the the proving grounds that the military will use and they will they will prove to see if these weapons are working or if these weapons are going to be successful for something later that may come up. And that's where they test them. That's kind of what this world is, a proving ground to where we're being tested, we're being used to another something bigger, another use in the larger scheme when we pass on. So we need to understand just don't look at the success of this world. Don't be envious of what other people's ministries are. Just look at what you are doing. I I remember one minister that I dealt with in India. He was very very envious about other people's success. He was very discouraged. In fact, I think he even gave up the ministry and to stop doing the things that he thought God was calling for. I you know had to start asking myself, and I'm not making a judgment call. Is he being successful, or or is he wanting a ministry because he wants success and to be known? and maybe some funding or is he really doing something for the will of God and i know other ministers who have very very small ministries and they do just very little in terms of what the world looks at and their success rate in their ministry is not very powerful they've become very encouraging to other people and you know they realize that it's god working through them and because of that they're very successful in the spiritual sin. So, you know, examine ourselves. Another thing to do in, is when we examine ourselves is, is it a past sin? Are we dealing with some type of past sin? Maybe it's a sin that we struggle with, but we haven't overcome yet. We become discouraged because we try all these different things, and we don't seem to be making any headway. That's maybe because we've not repented of that sin, and repented of that sin is not a a, you know, I want to, I want to give up the sin. I struggle with it, but I want to give it up. I was listening to some of the teachings of St. Francis de Salle, who I think is around the year 1500s. He gave something very interesting in the very early part of his book. And that is a person can be sincere about wanting to get rid of sin, but they really don't hate that sin. They haven't developed a disgust of that sin, a pure hatred of that sin. Yes, they're sincere in wanting to give it up, but they're not quite to the point to where they hate it. It's only when we hate a sin and hate that sin, hate that temptation, that we really start making inroads. So we become discouraged because there's a sin that's trapping us. We're not successful in our overcoming of that sin because we really haven't gotten to the point to where we hate that sin, and we find ourselves really sincere and wanting to quit it, but we really enjoy that sin. So that's something we need also to look for. We'll we'll do some other topics on these things later on about you know a sincerity of how to get rid of sin and how to overcome it and so forth. Maybe maybe it's not on the other hand accepting God's forgiveness, something we've done in the past. Maybe it's because we have been very very um, you know devout in our in our Christianity, our religion, let's say and. We have fallen into a great number of sins, and then we want to come out of it, and there may be something grave. And because of that, we have not really accepted God's forgiveness, and it weighs on us. And the enemy comes in and says, you know, you really aren't what you think you are. And, and so what happens is we become discouraged in that. We become saying, you know, i really, maybe God does not really think of me. He's not really forgiven me. So we become discouraged The other one is maybe spiritual emptiness. We haven't reached the point where we are searching for the spiritual life. Now, we've filled ourselves with church, but there's nothing very spiritual about it. It becomes a religion. I was having a discussion, an online discussion with somebody the other day, and I, I was really amazed at some of the items and some of the thinking that he had, his whole world was around his rituals. Everything was a ritual, in fact, to the point to where the ritual was what's important and not the lifestyle. I really found that fascinating because this person was strong in defense of their denomination, their group of worshipers, and they were absolutely convinced that it was the ritual that was of most importance. Nothing else mattered. Yes, you should try to be good, but you know what? You're going to fail. So just go do the penance and ask the religious leader to tell you what to do and you'll be okay. You could tell when I'm conversing with them that there was something deeper because their tone, the things they were saying, it was a very, it was very disturbing and that person was, I'm sure, discouraged in many of the th- things that they deal with. And, and I know you could tell it through their writing. It's because there was nothing of the spiritual emptiness. There's a lot of religion, but there's nothing of the spirit. And that becomes very difficult in itself. So, again, examine the self. Stop and do an honest evaluation of why we are discouraged. Is it out of envy? Is it dealing with a past sin? Is it something that we have not accepted, that forgiveness of God? Or many Christians, I find, it's because of a spiritual emptiness now, now there's a lot of religion in there don't get me wrong they're in church every single time the doors are open even some every single morning will go do their their religious activity they will practice lent they will do anything that they are told to do and they follow all the festivals and the holidays they will wear their their crucifix they're still discouraged why because it's full of religious-osity they're filled with that, but there's spiritual emptiness. There's nothing within them to sustain them, like what Jesus says. There's an internal living water and that the person will never thirst from again. They will never be thirsty, as he tells the, the woman at the well. That's what happens. They become very, very discouraged in that. So how do we deal with some of these things? Well, we talked about maybe how to deal with some of that sin about, you know, the idea of really being sincere versus being and developing a hatred for sin. And we've talked about accepting some of God's forgiveness, just generally speaking. We have to I think change our expectation. And and that's a big one. And that ties into the last point of that spiritual emptiness. And that is what are we expecting from being a Christian? We have to maybe change our expect expectation. This point two. What are we expecting from being a Christian? Today's Christianity, today's culture, it mixes this idea of discipleship with Secularism, the secular world, the idea that the church and the world can mix. And when it mixes, there's nothing there, unfortunately. That's why when we read in Revelation, when John gives the example, you are lukewarm, you're neither cold nor you're hot. So you become lukewarm and spew you out of my mouth. That is a cultural type of individual who's practicing a religion, but there's nothing there in terms of what true Christianity or true discipleship is. You know, a lot of people struggle with that verse, and if you were to go to the town to where that water flows from and what John is describing in the book of Revelation in this town, you had two areas of concentration. One of them was the warm, well, the hot springs, rather, the healing properties of the hot springs and the cold waters of that cold, that the cold springs in there. So what people were doing were going to this town and they would go into the hot springs, which... People thought brought healing. You know, much of maybe I think it's Hot Springs, Arkansas. I think might, might fill into that. There's there's a town that you can go to the hot springs there, and they were supposed to bring healing properties. And in this same town that John is describing, there was water that was very cold and refreshing. So you had you're either cold springs that you could go to, and You know, there's a lot of belief from some people that you go take an ice bath. I actually did that one time, if you permit me to kind of just go off on this tangent just for a second. I took that ice bath challenge where you jumped in the ice bath for 90 seconds or two minutes. And when I took that ice bath, yes, it was very difficult when you first got in it. You jumped in it, just grinned and bared it for two minutes. But I tell you, I really felt better for a good two to three days afterwards it was a really refreshing feeling. And I've also done that with hot springs, hot water. You go sit in a hot spa. There's something about that. Well, John is describing here that town where the two waters met. You would have hot water mixing with the cold water at the bottom of this town or wherever those two areas met. And it was lukewarm. It wasn't good for anything. It was neither hot nor cold. It was not good for anything. There's no use for it. You know, that's where the cultural church is today. What are we expecting out of Christianity? Jesus becomes a part of life instead of life itself in a cultural church, in a cultural idea to where I can go live in a worldly sense. I can go live in this worldly sense and go to church and do my religious things And even praise god and say things and read my bible and study scriptures and memorize all these things but i'm still living in the world i have not developed a mindset of a spiritual path i'm not following the way i'm not following a path that brings truth that brings life and let's read a passage of scripture matthew chapter 7 verse 13 enter in the narrow gate because broad is the gate and wide is the way which leads unto destruction, and many are those who go in it. How small the gate and narrow the way that leads unto life, and few are those who find it. What Jesus is describing here is that the spiritual life is a difficult life. In the past, I've heard many people say that this is talking about on this way, there's going to be a few people to go to heaven when they die, and there's going to be more people who go to hell. Now, whether that's true or not is beside the point. What, what the point being here is, is that I think Jesus is taking it deeper. Because you see, the narrow gate, that small gate, that narrow way that leads into life is for the life now. It's not for the life when you die, it's for the life now, the narrow way that leads unto life. Jesus many times throughout his teaching talked about, I've come to give you life and to have it more abundantly, John chapter 10, verse 10. When Jesus is saying, i am come to give you life, he's not talking about when you die, you can have this life, and yes, we will, of course, there's a much better life, there's peace, there's joy. But many Christians are thinking this idea that, well, having peace and joy and love, that's not for this life now, that's for later on. That's not what Jesus promises. But in order to accept and to live and receive that, it's a narrow way, it's a narrow gate. That way is filled with boundaries. But yet the life that is broad, the life of no boundaries, That's the one where it's broad. You can do whatever you want to. That leads to a destruction, not just in the end of our lives when we pass on, but now we live destructive lives and we're discouraged many times because our expectations are that everything is supposed to be great. There's not supposed to be any problems whatsoever. There's not supposed to be any issue whatsoever. But yes, there are going to be, because in this narrow way, this narrow gate, this broad, this this very narrow, small gate that we go through in this way that we live in, it's one filled with, with boundaries where the other one isn't. So maybe we become discouraged because we're really not truly accepting the fact that Christianity is something of living in the spiritual life, right? <laughs> That's the way we ought to look at it. So we have to change our expectations of Christianity. We have to expect, or change our expectations of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have discouragement, even if we do walk along that narrow way. But it means that we're able to understand them and also to narrow, pardon the borrowing of that phrase, it allows us to understand that, why are we being discouraged? Maybe we haven't been living in a spiritual sense. And when we live in that spiritual sense, we're able to discern. We're able to understand more about what it really means, about what this process is. We, we start evaluating things based on the spiritual sense and not in the worldly physical sense, in the worldly sense of how the world does things. But yet, that's how many Christians live. So we have to change our expectations of Christianity. But I will give you a warning in this. Once we start embarking along that narrow way, you're going to start feeling lonely. There are going to be times in which you will be lonely. You will begin to find that individuals are looking at you perhaps in a very strange way they're looking at you and saying what is this person doing what are they thinking they, they're getting to some really weird thinking here uh, you know that you're going to be different you're going to be living a spiritual life and the more the more deep or the deeper you go into this spiritual life don't be surprised we'll talk more about those in different different episodes about how to overcome some of those things finally Changing our expectations, I'm going to give you one final one here before our timers. Our timers run short. Rely on God's timing. Just understand that everything is God's timing. It starts off with what we said in the beginning. We let Jesus live through us. We're not steering the direction. We're going the way he wants to go, and that is very difficult for us as Christians to do sometimes living in the West. We like to be in control of things. We want to take things and make them work using this business model, using this church model. Just let God work through you. And when we let God work through us, we see his timing, not our timing. We don't force things. We let God do it. We let God work it. We let him be the one who's going to let things happen, make things happen, and our job is very simple. Our job is to just simply respond to his timing, his calling, and his direction. That is what it really means. So remember, if we want to deal with discouragement, there's at least two things. We're going to be talking more about them in our next podcast. The first one, examine yourself, change your expectation, and let God be the one who does all the work through you. We'll talk to you next time. Hit the subscribe button. God bless.